Welcome to A Higher Branch, a source of practical and powerful information for busy people dedicated to boosting their personal health and professional performance. I'm your host, Sam McCall. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of A Higher Branch as we get closer and closer to the holiday season. Today, we cover part two of my interview with couples therapist, Melissa Ferrari. Instead, we don't talk about being in a relationship. We actually talk about what it's like to be single in a time where social distancing has created anxiety about approaching someone, talking to someone, even at a bar and being close. We've almost been conditioned to distance ourselves and that's putting up barriers so how do you go from being single to getting into a relationship? And in part one, we talked about the importance of being in a relationship and how if you're in a great relationship, you actually live a happier, longer life. So it is worth it. It is something that you should not neglect in your life. The area of love and intimacy, we all need that. It's a fundamental human need. So in part two, which is what we're covering today, we talk about some very interesting topics that pop up once you do break that barrier and start connecting with someone. So we talk about things like, how do you know when you have found the one? When do you know when to have sex and get intimate with someone that you just started dating? That is often a question a lot of people ask. And how do you know it's time to commit to that someone long term? And if that's the case, how do you prepare to meet the parents? So we dive into those topics in particular, but we also talk about a lot of other things, things like what if one partner is not satisfied sexually in a relationship? What if one partner wants to have sex and the other wants to make love? And we talk about the difference, distractions in relationships, and what if a person isn't ready to commit and the other person is? Difference between pro-self and pro-relationship. And we talk about the question, is sex important in a relationship? There are many couples out there uh, where they just want to be in a relationship and sex is not really that important. We talk about what she calls the management of thirds, what if parents don't approve, and the importance of guiding principles and making agreements in a new relationship. So it's going to be an awesome part two with Melissa Ferrari. I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my second interview with Melissa Ferrari. You sit down in one of these sessions and you work through the agreements. And then what if everything is aligned? Okay, so you're single, they're single, you come together, you go slowly, as you said, you really like this person, but you want to take it slow and you want some alignment because you think, well, I can see a long-term future here. So I want to make the effort to sit down with a packed accredited therapist and go through it. And then you make that emotional commitment. What if the sex isn't great after that? What if everything is perfect, but one partner is not actually satisfied sexually in the relationship? Is that super important for the relationship to survive? Or can a relationship function properly with a eh, okay uh, physical relationship? This is a really, really interesting question. And these kind of answers that I might give, I don't know that people always want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyway, right? I think that maturity developmentally in relationship is why are we in relationship, okay? It's actually part of survival. Mm -hmm. If you think about 
we do better in pairs and, and why do we do better because primitive brain and, and pastimes on your own the thinking is someone will get you the lines will get you almost so a relationship really is about survival yes Okay, so we forget that. And that's why people get into trouble in relationship because we think that all that matters is love, is that I feel good with you. And unfortunately, that doesn't sustain true love. True love or love with consciousness and thoughts of longevity is more around the agreements. So if you are someone, it depends on what sex means to you. If sex is just about you feeling good and it's not really much to do with your partner, that's going to run into problems. But if sex is about connection, sex is about getting to know the other person well, sex is about building trust and vulnerability, the quality of sex can be worked with as a couple when you have that kind of foundations. Right. And then that can make sex good. Okay. So I have a million questions around that, but let's start with the most important. I I did a podcast with Dr. Jen Mann, who's a therapist in California. And it was about sex droughts in a relationship. And she said there is a difference between uh, making love, Mm. sex, and pardon the French, fucking right yes yes Yes. (laughs) what if you have one partner who just wants to have sex Mm. and the other one wants to make love so how do you align those agreements or how does that play out in a relationship because i can tell you now the notion of making love from everyone that i've spoken with interview it's all about sex and fucking these days it's just Mm. and i i don't know if it's because of the prevalence of pornography or it's become more of a physical connection rather than emotional connection, which is what I assume making love would be, you know, mm. would be, you know, looking at each other. And it's that tantric sort of um, vibe around yes. uh, the physical. Yes. Is that a long lost? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's lost, but I think it is a really, I guess, a revision of how we think about these things. And so most people want connection. Most people want to make love in an ideal sense. But it seems in today's world, because people are struggling so much with connection, you wonder why COVID come along. Well, it's made everybody connect and everybody get on and everybody live together and everybody work collaboratively. I wear a mask to protect you and me. It's given a lot of good messages around collaboration. We've got to work together, right? And so people, when they don't find, I think, that connection or that collaborative relationship with fairness, justice, sensitivity, what's good for me is good for you. Well, then people decide, oh, well, I'm not going to find that. So I guess I've just got to go and have sex with whoever I meet or whatever, however people do it, you know, whatever people do. And it really is fine if people want to do that. But I think emotionally, if you ask someone that's doing that a lot, it's great for a little while. But then most people say there's an emptiness. Right, right. Okay. So the agreements you talk about must include that element of sexual intimacy, physical intimacy. Absolutely. In our agreements, what happens when one of us aren't sexually happy? What are we together going to do about that? 
because it's probably going to happen. Yes. Well, it's inevitable in today's world where there's so much distraction, oh. and many responsibilities. Postnatal depression, mental health issues, anxiety, performance issues. There are so many things affecting performance as, as well nowadays. And so the list goes on and on. That in fact, I often wonder how we even have good relationships. The odds are against us. Yeah, well, it reminds me of a quote from Seinfeld where... He, <laughs> I think uh, George asks uh, Jerry, well, how are people getting together? He said, alcohol. I think there's some level of truth in that. And, but, 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 but I also think that's the human experience, that we are flawed, that we have an idea of how it should be but we're just allowing that primitive lower part of the brain that's running our lives 99% of the time to get us there. <laughs> and whereas the guiding principles bring in more upper brain thinking, what we call impact our ambassadors to say, how are we going to run this? And we're not just doing it to be formal or business-like, heaven forbid, right? Because you don't want to bring that into a relationship. But it's because we want to know that we are safe and secure because that will give the springboard for our good relationship, having a good time, probably better sex. Yes. And being resourced to be the best I can be in a world, you know, and a life that's not that long, really. Yes. Now, what if you're is single and you've met someone and you want a long-term relationship and a commitment, but that person isn't ready and they don't want a long-term relationship. Do you persist? Because like we said at the outset, that in the spirit of disclosure, mm. you go into the relationship, you open up and you say, look, I don't want to commit, mm. but I'm happy with our friendship, I still want to see you. I still want to hang out with you. And the other person's thinking, okay, well, I will hang out with you, but ultimately I'm trying to enter into a long-term relationship with you. Uh, what do you have to say about those two competing uh, viewpoints? Because one is thinking that's okay. I'll bring her or him around, mm. commit. Mm. And the other one's thinking, well, um, I just want to have fun and maybe he or she will see that. Mm. and, you know, just have fun with me. <laughs> so in answer to your question, you've got a big problem. Okay. <laughs> okay, but the thing is you've found this person and you get on with them and you connect with them, but due, yep. to their, due to their history, they have this emotional block that they just don't want to commit to you. Mm. And so you think, no, I can bring them around. Well, I think that's illusion. That's actually not clear thinking. And one thing about the work that I do is that everything I do is based on reality. Okay. Yep. So it is a delusion then. You're deluding yourself. Well, I say to people, you know, you have a problem. Yeah. You have a problem. Now, it doesn't mean it's not a, but it's a problem that you two need to own. I can't fix that problem, but yeah. I can help you find a way to maybe negotiate on it or you both part ways. But what if the sex is so great? Well, <laughs> hang around while the sex is great and realise yeah. that you might get a broken heart. Okay, so some people, are, I suppose, yeah, that's a, that is an acceptable consequence. Absolutely. For some. And there's nothing have, wrong with that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, it's interesting because whether it's something wrong with that or not, how I want anyone to think that I'm answering these questions, because I'm only giving an idea of what I know about how the brain works in love without going into all the brain stuff. So people can make decisions in any way they like because people are always going to do what they want anyway. (laughs) But that's part of the problem. You can do whatever you want if you're on your own. But as soon as you bring someone into your world and you're in a relationship, you have a responsibility. Yes. So what you're describing there is two people that are in the relationship to get what they both want. I want this. And so it's not pro the relationship. It's pro self. Right. Okay. I want to have a good time. I want longevity. Yep. Right. Relationships that are pro self usually don't work out because when we're too pro self, you know, perceive it as selfishness or whatever. And we are innately selfish, by the way, we're born to survive. We're born to look after ourselves. Yes. Right. So I would invite people to think about pro relationship rather than pro self, because you're dealing with another and you've invited someone else into your world. And as soon as you do that, a great question is for the two of us, why are we here? Why do we want to do this? Why be with you and not by myself or with someone else? I think these are questions that are important to ask at the beginning of a relationship because otherwise it does get people into trouble and a broken heart and all of that. But it's risky. Love is a risky thing. And also, as Esther Perel says, love is a verb. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's this idea, I, I challenge it greatly that falling in love and great sex is enough because for some it is, for some, but mostly it's better if you have some agreements in place as well. Well, but will you always have an agreement on everything? And if you've gone through a session to single people thinking about long-term commitment and you have nine agreements out of 10 and one disagreement on one point, Yep. Does it have to be 100%? No, I think people can work with that. I think if you've got nine out of 10 and there's love and there's connection and there's interest in the other person's well-being. Right. Right. It's me and you, not just me and what I want. Okay. So based on that then, yep. how do you know you found the one? I know we've covered it in a, in a different way, but yes. using your method of agreements, yeah, how do you well, know when you found the one? When you find somebody who not fully matches your agreements, they may not. But I think if they have the own awareness of justice and fairness and collaboration to work it out with you, you want this and I want something different, right? But the leverage we have in this relationship is our incredible bond, our great connection, our great sex life, our interest in life, whatever it is. I'm going to invest in you because you're worth it. So I will give up my part of the agreement. For some, there's big deal breakers, like one wants kids and the other doesn't, as you brought up earlier. You know, that's a deal breaker. But I have seen people who have all the qualities of a great relationship where one says, we'll do it this way. 
We won't have kids. We may adopt. We may we explore in the session. What's your reason for not wanting children? What's your reason for wanting children? What's your fears? And if that is explored enough, enough can get uncovered for these people to make it work. But it's hard. It's a stressful session with me. Yes. I always make sure people end right side up mostly, right? But it's a stressful session. Yes, I bet it is. So uh, I know we touched on this earlier and I may have taken you on a tangent, but I want to know this question that a lot of singles will ask themselves and a lot of people in new relationships will ask, and that is, is sex important in a relationship? I think it is important because it's how adults play really, isn't it? It it brings in a lot more playfulness. Some people aren't good at being playful outside of the bedroom. And so I think it is an important part of a relationship. That connection is important, but it's not, it's absolutely not everything. And if it's the reason why you're marrying someone or you're entering relationship with someone, you probably need to consider some guiding principles or some agreements alongside that because there may be things you're missing this person may not agree with what you want in life you want kids I don't assumptions we're monogamous or no no we're not all of these kind of things will create enough trauma to the brain that it's going to damage the sex life anyway Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. In my experience as a family lawyer early on, yes, that was uh, usually it was financial hardship <laughs> that damages a sexual and otherwise functioning uh, perfect sexual relationship. And so passion centers of the brain will be affected when you feel traumatized or betrayed. And so therefore, it's not going to probably be as great as, as it was. Or people might opt to just have sex in their relationship that's great. And that's okay. For some people, that's okay. Remember, yep. we've all come from so many different conditions in life that for some, anything we're talking about is genuinely okay. And there's been times in sessions when I've said to somebody, are you okay with that? And I'm sure they're going to say no. And they go, oh, no, that's, yeah, I get him. I know what he means. Well, wow. you know I'm going to trust that. I don't live with that person and they know that person well enough to know because I might see a really a look on a partner's face that looks like a scowl or is mean whereas the partner so says no that's actually when he's being friendly (laughs) (laughs) right and and that's why I'm always checking both partners around what you want what you see what makes you feel safe because what might not feel safe to me, it doesn't matter. Yep. It's these two that have got to live together, I don't go home with them. Yep, that's, that's right. <laughs> it's a very important and tough job that you must have there, Melissa. So, <laughs> now, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of single people, because I did some research about this topic in preparation for this podcast, and a lot of people, a lot of single female friends who actually all of them were previously divorced. Now, they all said, well, okay, I want to meet a guy and I don't want to be single, but when do you know when to have sex and get intimate with someone you have just started dating? That's a huge question. Well. Because what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because sometimes 
It's the physical intimacy that creates the bond to be able to go to the next step and sit down with a therapist such as yourself to say, okay, let's go through the agreements. Yeah. You don't want to meet someone and say, let's go through the agreements and yes. then we'll, no. <laughs> we'll think about having no. No, and that, that's exactly right. Of course, people have to have connection, have to have decided they want to be in relationship, that they like the person long enough to do the agreements, all of that kind of stuff. Because if you started talking agreements absolutely on the first and second date, you're probably going to scare that person away. So I think that any relationship that you feel that safety with that person because you think you know them well enough is a time to probably be able to go ahead and have sex. But I think anything that you do, let's say you are someone that has decides to have sex early on and then talk about stuff later, is to have the knowledge that, you know, you may be taking a risk. Yes. And that you need to be responsible for that. Yes, yes. You know, and I, I think that people kind of fall into bed and all of that kind of stuff yes that's all true right but you still are doing something that you are aware of is either going to go well or maybe might not go so well and that you need to trust that person enough to be in that space with them a very intimate vulnerable space because really it depends on what you use sex for if sex is just to have a fun time that's great because sex is fun but you don't know what the consequences might be. But if you're someone that uses sex to get to know somebody better, well, then you're using it in a different kind of way. If you both approach sex, even if it is early on, that this is to get to know each other better rather than just to meet a need, I think that that sets up a different foundation. Absolutely. And I I think that important point you make is even more so for people who are considering having sexual relations with someone that they just started dating and they do it by resorting to alcohol just to reduce their inhibitions yeah. to the point they're really not in that state uh, of mind to assess whether they feel like that they are safe. I think that yeah. you answered the question perfectly by saying when you feel like you are safe with that person it is and that's a foundation for good sex too you know now that doesn't mean that somebody that feels a bit unsafe isn't exciting and can create great sex too but that's another thing and sometimes you don't know we don't always know what's this attraction about someone can have a insane attraction with somebody but it doesn't mean they're good for you (laughs) that's right Yep. And uh, if you're prepared to accept the consequences, like you said, and you just want to have fun and take you know, a risk, then that's, that's fine as long as you don't look back with regret. Exactly. And I think just to kind of finish, a lot of the questions that you're asking me today, Sam, I'm thinking long-term, not short-term, in yes. most of the answers to your question. Now, the reason why I think like that is because that sets up more safety when we can think long-term. We all know the stuff that if we just do it now because it feels good can get us into trouble, right? Absolutely, yep, yep. Yeah, uh... so I think just for the listeners, because sometimes I worry about sounding too preachy or, or whatever the word might be, is that when you're asking me these questions, they're all based on long-term and longevity 
Absolutely. Rather than those more short-term experiences. Yeah, and which is the context of this podcast. We mentioned those things just in case there are people that are listening and who want to feel like it's also okay to take those risks absolutely if you you are thinking short term that's right but uh, sometimes when you're with someone who's completely charismatic that you'll never meet again and feels great well go ahead but know that you're doing that with consciousness you're an adult of course you can do it nobody's going to stop you but take care of yourself in it yep absolutely yeah don't go in with any expectations no no because if if it's someone that you haven't decided to be in a relationship with they are probably thinking in that one person system pro self yes not thinking pro relationship at that point and that's risky yep so you're single you've prepared yourself you want to go into a relationship you enter into the agreements you may have sex before or after those agreements who knows and you're aligned and then you make the decision to commit to that person long term yep last question is how do you prepare to meet the parents yeah right (laughs) without watching that movie (laughs) what a great movie that movie i could watch that movie (laughs) over and over I, i i think again have that discussions because what you're talking about is the management of thirds Okay, thirds being T-H-I-R-D-S. There's me and you. And as a couple, we manage people around us. We manage our money together. We manage hobbies. We manage children. We're the king and queen of our land. Yes. Right? And everybody else that's in it and everything else that's in it, we manage as a couple. So I think when you are preparing to meet the parents is to ask a few questions around what are your parents like? And if there's going to be things like, look, my mum actually doesn't like me going out with women that have been married before and have children, right? So that's probably something that you need to give your partner the heads up, that that you know that about your mum. And in, in the past, I've seen her be rude to women that I've brought home like that. As a couple, you need to work out how we're going to manage that. How am I going to protect you from my mum? Which is why I raised this question, because there are a lot of couples that get to that end point where they want to commit, they're aligned, it's great sex, great agreements, but then their relationship is torn apart by this third party. Exactly. And, you know, this stuff will break up relationships. And that's why, as I said, we call it the management of thirds. And it's in the other book of Stentakin's book, Wide for Love. And in that book, and this is another thing around, okay, so if mum starts doing things like that or says things like that, I will pull you aside. You and I will go to the punch bowl and get a drink together. You know, I'll take you away from the situation. We'll have a little chat about it and I'll make sure and I'll check in with you whether you heard mum say what she said or what she didn't, you know, whether it was directed right at you and I will help you. But I don't know what you're going to need exactly. So let's work that out first because highly likely mum's going to do something like that. Yep. Now, what if the parents don't approve of a union? Yeah, well, that's really 
you know, when, when we commit to someone else and we're going to marry someone else or be in relationship with someone else, we've actually left our family. We're, we're creating a new family. Yes, yes. Right? So... It goes back to the agreements, though. Yeah. Because the, one of the agreements could be, well, my family means a lot to me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yes. Okay, so my question is if i was with someone that said my family mean a lot to you i would say that's lovely and i respect that i like a guy that family means a lot but my question would be am i first over your family yes very very important question yes and if the answer is not in the affirmative then i guess the agreement stopped right there (laughs) well or you work it through and hence why sam earlier i said it's amazing we can be in relationship. There are so many, so many obstacles. <laughs> so many obstacles. And I had a girlfriend that said, you know, Melissa just loves love. She just loves love. And <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. But I also believe it's really hard. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, on that note, I hope we haven't turned too many people, single people off uh, relationships that are listening. Have relationships, do it, but take care of yourself in it because relationships are so important. They create vitality. They create that security. You have that significant other who has your back when others won't. Yes. And so it's definitely be in relationship, but just navigate it with care, self-care as well as care for the other. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Melissa, as always, what an amazing discussion we've had and you've downloaded so much information that I wish I had when I was uh, (laughs) (laughs) back in my teens and single. (laughs) And, you know, you can be single these days in your teens, in your 20s, you can be divorced in your 30s, 40s, 50s. And um, it's never too late for love. Never too late for love. I have seen that so many times and it's an absolute joy to see an older couple come in and say, you know, we've been disconnected for decades and be able to reignite the spark. It's definitely possible with the right things in place. Beautiful. You have an amazing job, Melissa, and keep doing it. I love your work. Uh, for those of you out there that want to know more about Melissa, check out her Instagram handle, Melissa Ferrari underscore psychotherapist. Yes. Yep. And click in the link in the bio because the amount of resources Melissa has there is so generous. Uh, they're so thorough and uh, stuff that I always go back uh, to and read uh, constantly. I I know you're not a huge Instagram person, but you are on there and you, a lot of the resources are on there. And be on the lookout for Melissa uh, as well on the Today Show, I believe. You're yes. a regular there. Yes. And if you want to reach out to Melissa as well, uh, go to her website. It's Melissa Ferrari, is it? Yes, melissaferrari.com.au. Wonderful. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this information has been of value to you. I always curate this information with the utmost of love and respect for your time and your energy. So as always, live consciously, my friends. 